Welcome to Around the Keg, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. On this episode, as always, we have Wit, Matt, Lando, and myself, Keys, and we're going to take a little bit of a break from football at the beginning of our show and talk about the NBA and Kobe Bryant's legacy. Then we're going to move into some MLB action with the Hall of Fame ballot selection. And don't worry, at the end of our show, we're going to bring it back into football. We're going to have some NFL playoff talk. We had a great week of NFL playoffs this week, and we're going to hope to keep it rolling with our picks for the AFC and NFC Divisional Championships. Now let's pop the tab. Sucking down a glizzly, a, a glizzy, a glizzly, glizzy. Oh, Burgers. oh. a ham, a ham is burger. McDonald's? No, Culver's. Culver's. Nice. Culver's. Culver's is good. You know, I've I've actually never eaten at Culver's. It, it, oh, is dude, it good? I'm a big fan. I need to not be a big fan, but I'm a big fan. All right, so what are their burgers? Uh, are they like charbroiled, or are they um, kind of Five Guys style? Or are they? I think they're. I think they're. Well, they're butter burgers. They're like famous for being butter, butter burgers. burgers. Yeah. So, and they're fresh. Like, they cook all their food to order. To order, huh? So, it's butter not burger. like Culver's it's a is butter burger. Good. Culver's is super good. They have great cheese curds, too. Okay, so oh, yeah. I guess the question is, compared to Whataburger, wh- wh- where does Culver's stand? Um, I'm, I'm a Whataburger believer, so I would say Culver's is it's a different style than Whataburger, but it's up there. It's better than like your Wendy's Culver's, McDonald's. Culver's is kind of like a Freddy's. Yeah, yeah, it's like a Freddy's, but it's better than Freddy's. Like they're like they have so, uh, they have like is it milkshake or custard or something they do there? Custard, didn't it? At Culver's, yep. no, Freddy's. I know they do custard. I don't no, know. From, uh, Culver's yeah. is custard. Culver's, too. Culver's custard is custard. Okay, they both are. Like some kind of ice cream that they call something different. All right, so they're, they're both custard. In yeah. that in that category of those places, I like Culver's more than I like Freddy's. Culver's, Same. Freddy's, or Steak and Shake. Culver's. To me. Culver's. 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 Mm. You should try I actually it. don't I actually don't really like steak and shake. You don't like steak and shake? No. It's okay. I just feel like their portions are like yeah, portions are you know. And their fries their fries are so small. Well So they give they give you a ton of them, but they're just so small. Matt, all, all, all you're telling me right now is that you're a fat American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty Listen. Good. Yeah, but exactly. I am a fat American. Fill me up. The one thing we know here better than any other country is our fast, fatty foods. Oh my God. You got to give us that one. Their portions yeah. aren't big enough. Their fries aren't big enough. Man, I need I need big burgers. I need big <laughs> fries. America. I mean, Matt's a grown man. He's a grown southern man. He's got two kids. Man deserves a well-portioned burger. And fresh. Yeah, all I all I'm asking for is fill me up. Don't make me get a milkshake to be full. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I like steak and shake. I went to I've been to Freddy's like twice. It's it's all right. I'd rather go to steak and shake. I think the prices at steak and shake are are reasonably priced. So that's why I like steak and steak shake. Steak and shake is priced pretty well. And I like that their burgers are kind of thinner. It's good if you're if you're like, ah, I'm not super hungry, but I really could use a good burger and like some Nicer, skinnier kind of fries. Shakes are really good. The shakes at Steak and Shake are better than anything you can get from Culver's or Freddy's. But I think burger-wise, fry-wise, um, I think those Culver's is probably the best. I'm going to have to take a Culver, Culver's. Culver's would be my favorite for sure. 
Anna Marie does not like Culver's. She, do, I don't know what it is, but she's like, oh, I just, I just don't like it. She's mm. like, it, it, I can taste the butter, and I'm like, it's called a butter burger. What do you expect? <laughs> just tell her to get the not butter burger. Do they even have that? Is that a, is that, is that an option? <laughs> Probably not. Actually, I think you actually, it's kind of like IHOP. Like IHOP serves pancakes with everything. Culver's, you have to have butter with everything, except for custard, maybe. There's butter in that. Oh, there is actually. It's from Wisconsin. Of course, there's butter in it. Oh, so it's a Wisconsin-based. Yeah, that's why their cheese curds are so good. Yeah, it's their their cheese curds are phenomenal. Well, before I forget, I'm going to start this off by saying rest in peace to the goat Kobe Bryant. Oh yes. Today marks two years gone too soon. Oh, I didn't even realize that. That's why I'm wearing my Lakers hat today. Yeah, that makes sense. Ryan came home. Ryan went to the grocery store today and uh, came back with. Body armor, and it's it's called Mamba Berry or something like that. It's it's grape and strawberry. I was curious why best. he brought that back today. That makes sense. It is so good. It is good. Gone but never forgotten. Investigation showed that that when they crashed, he likely didn't know up from down. That, that that's that, that's how foggy it was, and he still went. Any, wow. I, I, yeah, like ah, uh, it's uh, rest in peace to go Kobe Bryant. Better than LeBron, absolutely. LeBum, as I like to call him. Ten times better yeah. than LeBron. See, that, the, the thing that I don't understand with a lot of people that are, like, LeBron guys is, like, did you never watch Kobe? Kobe was a cold-blooded killer, man. Like, he was a different breed. LeBron just don't have that that next level of, I don't care who you are, I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to do it in every way possible. He's just bigger than everybody and likes to dribble inside and dunk on people. Well, LeBron lost me when he, he he does the thing where he sits out games. Yeah. So so for example, yeah. for example, when when LeBron comes and plays the Hawks, a lot of people get those tickets to see LeBron James play. You know, Trey Young or or whoever they had at the time, but they come to see LeBron James and he and he would sit out a game against the Hawks, and people would basically not get their money's worth. So that's why I don't like LeBron because you're sitting out games that people pay money to come see you play, like. Like, show us why you're the greatest player in the world. Put on a show for the people in Atlanta who don't get to see see you on a regular basis and who only get to see you once a year. Yeah, and obviously LeBron doesn't really give a crap about that. He, like, LeBron's good. Like, I'm I'm not in the in the group of people that say LeBron is not top ten all time. I think he is, but the fact that people are saying like he's better than Kobe, he's better than MJ, always pisses me off. But I think. I understand the argument of like longevity, but if if you look at the records that he broke of Jordan, Jordan like and the the number of games that Jordan played in comparison to LeBron was much less for him to get to that level, and I don't understand like like yeah, I I don't love and I remember right after Kobe died there was like this unity between people that were like MJ's the goat, Kobe's the goat, LeBron is the goat where it was like, hey, we should appreciate all of these guys for their talents. But I feel like LeBron supporters are the ones that push the narrative like, oh, he's the GOAT. Y'all, y'all just don't respect and don't, y'all don't want to witness. Y'all don't want to witness. So you brought up the, the thing of where MJ has played less games than LeBron. So 91, 92, 93, MJ won, you know, back-to-back-to-back NBA championships. Then he retired, all right, left the game for two years. 94, 95 to go play or attempt to play baseball. I'll say that. I'm not going to go say play baseball. 
He went to go attempt to play baseball, then came back and then won back to back to back titles. So just imagine if he doesn't leave for, uh, for, uh, the, the game of basketball and stays in 94, 95, he could have won championships from 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97 and 98. Can, can, like, can you put that into perspective? You didn't even mention his championship over the Monstars. Uh, well, Le- LeBron has one of those too now, so we got to. Uh, I have actually that, that even seen that. Out a little have bit. you seen the reboot? Yeah, I no, I, I, I saw it. it. It sucked. I I refuse to watch it. I'm I'm like one of those space jam truthers. Once you've gotten your butt kicked by Michael Jordan, you don't come back and try it again. Well, it it was a completely different group that came out and played it. It was you you got to watch it. I mean, I only watched it because I watched the first one and it's Space Jam. I was like, I got to at least at least see what's going on here. And it didn't suck. I mean, it wasn't the worst movie ever. I expected worse, but compared to the first Space Jam, it was not good. I'm not going to watch it because the first Space Jam is goaded. One of the greatest movies of all time. I agree with that. It's one of those things that all of a sudden, like, movie producers have run out of ideas, so they're like, what reboot can we get 90s kids to be nostalgic about and kids who've never seen it to love it? Space Jam. But that's with every movie now. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Well, switching topics. Matt was kind of talking about this earlier, and he was a little pissy about it. So, yesterday, the Baseball Hall of Fame announced that David Ortiz got into the Hall of Fame, first ballot. And, uh, of course, that wasn't really the only big news. The other big news was um, people who didn't get in. So, Barry Bonds, was it Roger Clemens, and other people who have used uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Matt is one of those people who think that Pete Rose should uh, be getting the same recognition for not getting in the hall, even though P. Rose gambled on games in which he played in or managed in whatever, blah, 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 blah. You know, personally, I think the Hall of Fame should be used as just a, somebody said this on SportsCenter the other day. They said it should be used as a museum and it shouldn't factor in like character or other things like that. I think Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, people who use PED should get in. You know, Pete Rose should be in, but there should be also, you know, like a story behind their careers and we we should use it as history and learning experiences. Yeah, that that's why I'm I, I was I'm kind of still bitter about it though, because like you see so many people that are like, you can't tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds. And I agree. I think Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. But I also understand why people look at it and they say, well, Pete Rose cheated like in the sense of gambling on games. And if we're saying that he gambled on games as a manager starting in 87, uh, he was the manager of the Reds and he gambled on games. And if we're saying that he potentially threw games and we're not letting the all-time hits leader in, then can we rightfully put in the all-time home run leader who also used steroids? Now, where I stand is I'm pretty sure that Yvonne Rodriguez, who's already in the Hall of Fame, used steroids. There was allegations around David Ortiz, and I love David Ortiz, so let me take a minute to pause and say congratulations to David Ortiz because I feel like getting lost in this entire conversation has been that David Ortiz, one of the most clutch hitters in postseason history, is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and really was paved the way by Edgar Martinez for the designated hitters to get into the Hall of Fame. Edgar Martinez had to wait 10 years to get in before he did. So kudos to David Ortiz on a great career. 
But when you look at the guys that have allegedly used steroids, there are some that are already in the Hall of Fame. So if we're saying that steroids isn't what it is or that steroids is what it is, then we need to go back and we need to revisit some of these guys that have gotten in and be like, well, why did you put in Yvonne Rodriguez when he had several steroid allegations around him? And if you look at him back in his heyday, he was freaking jacked. I'm not saying that he for sure did it, but there were allegations. Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before he started using steroids. Barry Bonds was even more of a Hall of Famer after he started using steroids. And I personally think that they need to kind of put the – like they let Bud Selig in as a Hall of Fame – in the Hall of Fame, who was the commissioner of baseball that knew all of these guys were taking steroids and didn't do anything about it. So he kind of swept everything under the rug for a while, let it go on, and then was like, hey, by the way, all these guys are cheating. So we're going to let that guy into the Hall of Fame, but we're not going to let the guys who are actually putting the product on the field. And baseball in the 90s, people loved it. Steroids actually saved baseball in a lot of ways because people were still really bitter about the strike in 94. And then all of a sudden, these dudes are hitting 50, 60 homers a year. I, I just, I can't, you can't tell the story with, of baseball with the all-time Cy Young winner leader not being in the Hall of Fame in Roger Clemens, the all-time home run leader not being in the Hall of Fame in Barry Bonds, and the all-time hit leader in Pete Rose. All three of those guys should be in. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, like, like I said, I think the Hall should be used as a museum and those guys should be in the Hall of Fame with, you know, the asterisks next to them, and it should say these guys use steroids. This guy gambled, blah 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 blah. Regardless of of that fact, they were major players into why the game of baseball is so loved and and why people watch baseball today. Um, Alex Rodriguez was in his first year uh, on the Hall of Fame ballot this year. He's not going to get in either because not only did he test positive. For, for steroids multiple times after they started testing. You know, he, he also got suspended a couple times for, for steroid use. And David Ortiz also got uh, got yopped for um, steroid use in, in 2003. But now, the, the, or, the Ortiz thing uh, in 2003 was alleged. And it was part of the Mitchell Report, which was anonymous and confidential. And there were names on the list that tested positive did not test positive, and tested positive for supplements that were not banned. None of that was d- d- disclosed. There was just a handful of names that were disclosed as, uh, that were on the, on the list. Bonds was one of them. Clemens was one of them. Ortiz was one of them. But Ortiz also never tested positive outside of that. I so there was, there was, there, there's, no under, there's no, like, certainty. There, it's just a rumor and uh, really a, a, an educated guess that he probably did test positive. But after that, there was no more mention of his name being tied to it, unlike guys like Bonds, uh, A-Rod, A-Rod, who twice tested positive after it was definitely a banned substance. So uh, that's the only difference there. The only way A-Rod gets in is if people who vote feel like he treated the the media because the writers are the ones that essentially basically say yay or nay to somebody getting into the Hall of Fame. So David Ortiz is in the Hall of Fame because he was good with the media. He was good with the people. The writers loved him and he, he had overall fan support. So A-Rod only gets in if it's based off that standpoint. Well, and that's why Kurt Schilling didn't get in. 
is because he is, they they keep using this whole clause of like oh you the, the morality clause for for Schilling. But if you look at Schilling's numbers, especially in the postseason, he's an absolute Hall of Famer, and he probably would have gotten in. But he told the writers, "Don't vote for me this year. Don't waste your vote on me. I don't want y'all to get in. I don't want y'all to vote me in. I would rather just be." put in by uh, a member, like, basically what they do after this point is, I believe it's five years after your name falls off the ballot, it comes back and there's the Veterans Committee who, it's a bunch of formal ba- ba- baseball players that are in the Hall of Fame, and they vote on guys, and they say, you know, is this guy a guy that we should put in the Hall of Fame? And I imagine Kurt Schilling will get in then, because his postseason numbers were through the roof. I mean, he is a three-time World Series champion, uh, World Series co-MVP on that Diamondbacks team in 2001, and he absolutely should be in. Um, I, I don't know. It's 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 just kind of a that we're. I will say that we're seeing a trend, and I imagine that I hate that Barry Bonds' fate is going to be up to those people, uh, but they've trended up because people our age are starting to get voting rights and privileges, and people our age. To most of them, Barry Bonds is the GOAT, and and I know that, that that's, like, highly contentious, but if you took David Ortiz's career war and added it to A-Rod, it would still be less than Barry Bonds. So, I have a question to Matt, who is more so our baseball expert. So, to get into the Hall of Fame, you have to be voted in by a committee of media members, Correct. So it is the Baseball Writers Association of America. Why votes. are we letting Baseball Writers Association of America vote these people into the Hall of Fame and not people that are already in the Hall of Fame? Why are we waiting till five years after they're off the ballot to have this veteran committee have to vote guys in? Why are these guys not the guys that are voting people in now? That's uh, what I'm curious my, about. My guess would be that this is the way that it's been done forever, and we know that baseball is one of those sports that is not apt to changes. Uh, just look at how long it took replay to come in and how terrible replay's been since it's been in. Um, comparatively to sports like football where replay was implemented and it had been ongoing for years before baseball decided to implement any sort of review system. Um, I, I don't really know. It's just been – it's traditionally been that way since they started the Hall of Fame. And, I mean, I get it because – when you look at baseball, it's not like other sports where in football you have like beat riders and team riders that like follow a specific team. In baseball, baseball is one of those games that like when you have baseball junkies, you just you just love watching the game. And that's where they kind of lump in guys like Tim Kirkjian and Buster Olney and Jeff Passan. Uh, those guys, they, like traditionally, they want them to uphold who gets in and who doesn't get into the Hall of Fame. I, I think it should be a Veterans Committee thing from the get-go. But I will say that based off of Joe Morgan's letter from a few years ago, even if they did do a Veterans Committee vote, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens would not be in the Hall of Fame because they've kind of taken their stance and said, look, we didn't, ha- we didn't use steroids back in the day. They used greenies, which is – a different story, but we didn't use steroids back in the day. So all these records that you broke, they need to be upheld in some way, shape or form that they are not validated and we're not going to let you in the hall of fame. Well, guys, I love talking about baseball. I love baseball. I'm excited for baseball season to come up, but I really want to talk about football. I don't know about y'all, 
But I thought last weekend was the best weekend of NFL playoffs from start to finish that I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, every single game was close. Every single game was a nail-biter. It was good. We had upsets. We had great games. I thought the Chiefs-Bills game was the best game I've ever seen, ever, in my entire life, and watching NFL football. Uh, I mean, the Rams, Rams-Chiefs Rams from a couple years ago when Jared Goff was there, uh, that Thursday night game, that was a really good game, but there really wasn't much defense. That Chiefs-Bills game was good defense, good offense, back and forth, whole entire game, start to finish. Uh, it was awesome. That was one of the craziest games I've ever seen, ever. The, the weekend was awesome, and I'm glad the Packers lost. Elephant in the room, the Chiefs-Bills went into overtime, and a lot of people are upset that the game was decided by a coin flip, blah, 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 blah. So where do you guys stand on the point of should the NFL change the overtime rules or should the NFL keep the over- overtime rules where they are? So I'm not upset. Well, this- I'm not upset that that's how they won. I get it. I mean, that's the rule, but I'm sure and I'm sure you guys are probably in agreement with me too. I think the way they do NFL overtime is the wrong way to do it. I think it should be the same way college football did it before they added in the two-point conversion stuff after what double overtime. And uh, I think also I think they should start from the 50-yard line instead of starting from like the what do they start the 25, 20? I yeah, I prefer back it up to the 50. Let both teams get a chance to score. Uh, makes the defense and the offense win the game for you. So the Bills, well, the Bills had the number one rated defense in the NFL. They had the they had what the lead with 13 seconds left in the, uh, to go in the game. Right? They allowed the Chiefs to kick that field goal. I'm going to bring this up again. The Bills had the number one rated defense in the NFL. The Chiefs ha- got the ball in overtime on the 20 yard line. You have the entire the entirety of the field to, to make one stop, one stop. All right. One stop to either hold them to a field goal in which the NFL changed a couple years ago. Back in the day, it used to be, you get the ball, you kick a field goal, sudden death, you win the game. Now you kick a field goal. The other team gets a chance to get the ball and score. All the bills had to do was hold the chiefs to at least a field goal, hold them to a field goal. You get Josh Allen back on the field. They couldn't even do that. So you're going to sit here and tell me, no, 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 no. I'm not sitting here saying the Chiefs didn't deserve to win. I'm not saying I'm it was not unfair. That. I know, I know, I know you're not saying that. You're saying it was fair. I'm not saying it wasn't fair. I just think the overtime rule is wrong. I think it's better than it was. It's way better than it was. It's improved. I like it way better than first score wins no matter what. I mean, if they drove down and kicked a field goal coming off the coin flip, that would suck. But the coin flip should not decide. It didn't decide it, though. Yeah, but if it's an all-offensive game, it does decide it, which it was at the end of the game. At the end of the game, both defenses were tired as crap, and it was literally just offensive shootout from like the beginning of the fourth quarter on to overtime. You know, one of the interesting things I saw this week was that when they changed the overtime rule, one of the teams that actually initiated the change was the Chiefs. So they they initiated like they petitioned the the change to this format, and it ended yeah. Up but the other format, the other format was the same though, so it wouldn't have changed anything. I mean, the only difference yeah. was they could have driven down and kicked a field goal and won the game. One stat instead of having to score a touchdown. One stat. I'll say this, and, and then I'll let Matt go is 20% of the time the team that wins the coin flip wins the game in over in the NFL overtime. So that being said, that it doesn't happen very often where the team that gets the ball first actually wins the football game. So I think the NFL uh, overtime rule should stay the same. See, this is actually my cut it off is the NFL overtime rule. It's And, and I'm in the same exact camp as Wit, where I don't, I'm not illegitimizing the Chiefs winning the game. They won the game. I mean, that that was 
They played a great game. They made stops early on when they needed to. I mean, it. they made Josh Allen drive the field twice late in that game. He had to get a fourth and 13 conversion when he threw a touchdown for them to take the lead back after uh, losing it with under two minutes. And then the Chiefs scored down with a minute and then scored a touchdown with 13 seconds left. The Chiefs won that game because the Bills didn't manage the last 13 seconds well. Like, I understand that you didn't want Miko Hartman to run, like, potentially run it back, but you've got to treasure special teams. At least take three or four seconds off the clock, kick it short. Don't let them have all 13 seconds. And then, like, you you understand that you can't let tra- – they had all three timeouts, so you can't leave the, the middle of the field wide open for Travis Kelsey to run down the seam or Tyree Kill to run across the middle. Like, they have those timeouts. So the Bills just didn't manage those last 13 seconds well. However, I don't love the fact that it's like, hey, one team gets the ball, you got to get a stop. I've always been in this camp, though, and I agree it is better than whenever there would be teams that would get down to, like, the 41 and then they'd kick a 58-yarder to win it. And, and, like, I hated that even more. But to me, it's like college overtime pre – this past season where they decided that after two overtimes, we're just going to go two point conversion, one play. It was the best format because both teams get the ball. Same opportunity. You get a stop. Cool. You don't. Sorry. I would say start from your own 40 though. Like, because then you have to at least get two first downs to be in field goal range uh, in the NFL rather than in college. Like you start off on the 25, and that's that's a chip shot in the NFL. I just don't love the fact that the game, and it's not that it's decided on the coin flip, but regardless of whether your defense gets a stop or not, both teams should get the ball at least once. If they want to change it to where it's like, hey, 15-minute period or 10-minute period, each team gets the ball once. If one team scores, the other team doesn't, that's it. I'd be cool with that. It just, I don't know. I I don't love the the way that it's like, all right, if they score a touchdown ball game, it, it just doesn't feel like, I don't know. Uh, it It's an, a legitimate win for the Chiefs, uh, but on we go. So my thing is, is if we do the whole idea of basically play another period of football, then you open up a whole other can of worms of where, oh, now we're talking about player safety and other stuff like that. All oh, players are tired. Players are going to get hurt more. How about if the NFL rule changed and you guys can give your input on this? How about this? 15 minute overtime and each team gets the opportunity to possess the ball, right? So, say for example, the Chiefs get the ball first, they score a touchdown. The Bills get the ball. If the Bills fail to score a touchdown, the game's over. How about that? That's what I was just saying. Yeah, I did. That's, that. That, that, yeah, you're yeah, saying that's, even, that's fine. Even if it's, it doesn't have to be like start from the 40, start from the 50. Right. As long as, yeah. Yeah, as, as long as both offenses get a chance to touch the football and try and score, so, I think it becomes a little bit more. So if, if, we get, if we get into that standpoint, then we would have to do something to where, so say the Chiefs score uh, with first, first possession. Instead of kicking a field goal, how about they go for two? And then the Bills would have to do the same thing if they, uh, when they got the ball. If they scored, they go for two. So that way we're not getting to this, basically the same thing where we're playing a whole other 15 minutes of football because cause at the end of the day, somebody is going to have the advantage over, over the other team, and somebody is going to end up complaining about something. Like, there has to be some type of, of like, ground rule to where 
all right, we have to understand where somebody is going to have an advantage over somebody else. Well, I think it would make it more interesting, though, because then it would be like if you if you win the coin flip, you probably say, hey, we want to go on defense first because then it's like if we get a stop, we know our offense is rolling right now versus we want the ball because we, we've got, we know that we're going to go down and we're going to win. Like we're going to get we're, – we're going to move the ball down the field. We're probably going to win, especially with the way that the offense had been playing late in that game. Um, but to me, it's like, hey, if you want to do it that way, 15-minute period, both teams – like you kick off, they get the ball. If they score a touchdown, the other team gets the ball. They score a touchdown, and then you want to turn it into sudden death, that's fine with me because then it's like, hey, you both got your opportunity. You've both done what you need to do. And then that gives a second team, if you if you do have the ball second and you do score a touchdown, you want to go for two in the win, go for it. Which, ironically, I kind of thought about that in the moment whenever the Bills were – they had scored the touchdown. I was like, in a way, I almost think, like, do you, do you go for two here and make it a four-point game so the Chiefs have to score a touchdown in order to win in 13 seconds versus a field goal with all three timeouts? And run the risk of hey, if we don't manage this thirteen seconds well, we're up by two and we could lose by a field goal. What do you what What do you think would have been worse? I mean, in hindsight, you could say they should have done that because we know what happened. They kicked the field goal. They went to overtime. Chiefs got the ball first. Chiefs scored a touchdown on the first drive. But if you're if you're what what's what's the Bills head coach name? Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott, Sean McDermott and, and, yep. and the DC's name is um, Leslie Frazier. If Sean McDermott made that decision in the game, and they didn't get it, and then they kicked the field goal and lost the game by one, he looked like a complete idiot. Complete idiot. Whereas, like, I mean, yeah, they lost the game, and it, it obviously doesn't make your coach look good to lose a football game. Um, but I, I mean, it's the Chiefs. You're playing in Kansas City, which is a tough place to play in the first place. And I think they played them just about as tough as you can play a football team in an NFL playoff game. So, I mean, Josh Allen had one of the best performances I've ever seen from a quarterback in the playoffs, and they lost. I mean, if you're the head coach, you have to make decisions based on, is this going to, like, hurt me in my job? Because if, if he did that, people would be like, why? Like, that's a terrible decision. Maybe he's not that good of a coach. Obviously, you, probably, you wouldn't get fired this offseason or anything. I'm not saying that. But that, I mean, if you start making decisions like that, you do what Lane Kiffin did when they played Alabama this year, and you put yourself in a bad situation. At the end of the day, Leslie Frazier and the Bills defense, who was the number one defense in the NFL, didn't play good enough at the end of the game, and the Chiefs won. So I think the NFL rules perfect, perfectly fine. Nonetheless, it was a great game. Uh, I think out of the four games we watched this weekend, the, the Green Bay game and the San Francisco game was probably – it was still a great – it was still a really good game, but – in terms of the other other three, it was probably a snooze fest. Yeah, I was going to say slightly more of a snoozer. It was definitely a snoozer. It was a defensive football game, and honestly, I did not think it would be like that either. I thought Aaron Rodgers would have some good success. I picked the 49ers on our show last week, um, be mostly because I thought that they would dominate the line of scrimmage. I don't think they did at all. I think Green Bay dominated the line of scrimmage, at least from a defense to offensive standpoint, but... San Francisco just ended up getting lucky with that block punt, got that touchdown. That pretty much won them the game. I mean, and Aaron Rodgers, I thought Aaron Rodgers played one of his worst games as a Packer. I mean, the only guy he could go to was he dumped the ball off to Aaron Jones a bunch of times, and he tried to force the ball to Devontae Adams the whole game. He didn't even look at other guys the entire game. I mean, 98% of his passes went to those two guys. 
And he, uh, I, I, I don't know, man. See, he's he's something different in the playoffs. He's had some really good performances, but man, he's he's honestly kind of under underachieved for me uh, for the Packers. Well, for the past thirty years, the Packers have had two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and they only have two Super Bowls to to um to add to that. Yeah, claim. which is crazy, which is absolutely absurd. I mean, you look at Aaron Rodgers' career, and people talk about him being the best, most talented quarterback to ever play up until Mahomes came around. Now people are saying Mahomes is probably the most talented quarterback to ever play. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is great. I think he's a really good quarterback. He won the MVP. He's going to win the MVP this year. Um, but, I, I mean, you can't do that. If you're if you're Green Bay, this is your chance to win the Super Bowl. You're the number one team in the entire playoffs. I think they were, if you had to pick a best team in the NFL coming into the playoffs, it was 100% the Packers. I mean, they looked great. Defense was playing super well. Aaron Rodgers was having a career year. Devontae Adams, absolute stud. Aaron Jones playing well again. I mean, they they really blew it against San Francisco. That was a it was a cold game, and it's potentially Aaron Rodgers' last game as a Packer. Uh, I mean, I hope so. I'm ready to see that guy out of Green Bay, but I would I would be interested to see where he would go. I just don't. That game didn't make any sense to me because you, you we've seen Rodgers in cold games in the in the in Lambeau. It just Lambeau doesn't scare teams anymore in the playoffs. It used to, and it just it doesn't have the same feel anymore. Like you know, uh, uh, San Francisco a couple years ago did the same thing. Last year, Tampa Bay went up there and beat Green Bay. Lambeau doesn't carry that same weight anymore, and I think a lot of it is on the Packers as an organization. Because they, they, I mean, they used a first-round pick on Jordan Love instead of getting another weapon for Aaron Rodgers. And obviously that didn't have everything to do with that in this game. But when you've used your draft capital that poorly, you kind of deserve to lose that way in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think that loss for the Packers also has a lot to do with a lot of dudes on that team did not do their job. For example, on that one blocked field goal, number 95, who was on the, on the left end, Instead of taking the inside guy, which, which is the thing you're supposed to do at all times, always take the inside guy because he has the, the quickest shot uh, to, to block the field goal, he, stand, he sits there for like half a second and then takes the outside guy, and, and that leaves the inside guy a clear shot to block the field goal. So that's just one of many things the Packers did to lose that game. So uh, it's not just that people aren't afraid to go to Lambeau anymore. I also think that discipline played a big factor into the why the Packers lost. Yeah, and on the last the last play when the San Francisco kicked the the field goal, they only had ten guys on the field. Like special teams has been an issue for them all year. The the blocked punt for the touchdown, and then like you don't even have eleven guys on the field to block a field goal at the end of the game. That that is just terrible terrible management. Not saying that they would block the field goal, but at least have eleven guys out there. <laughs> You're a man down. All right, so the second best game in my opinion was. The Buccaneers and the Rams. That game was awesome. That game was really awesome. Like, watching that entire game was like, all right, Tom Brady is getting his butt kicked, but he's Tom Brady, so anything can happen. And lo and behold, anything did happen, and he he almost came back and won again. But Matt Stafford proved why he is a really good quarterback and why Detroit is a place where people go to end their careers. I think what we said about Aaron Rodgers on talking about the last game, you could say the exact opposite about Tom Brady in this game. Aaron Rodgers looked like he really, you know, he didn't even care to be there. I mean, he looked like he was just going through the motions. He thought they were going to beat the crap out of him. He knew they were the better team. He thought they were going to win. 
Tom Brady was getting the break speed off him. I mean, it was 27 to 3. He's got all of his best weapons out for the game. He's got A.B. quit in the middle of one of the last games of the year. Chris Godwin, what, he tears ACL or Achilles. He's out for the season. All he had was Mike Evans, and he had the running backs. Who, I mean, Leonard Fournette's a good running back, but he's not the superstar guy that's going to really help you out. Offensive line is okay. I mean, they're not super, super good. They're good, but they're not, you know, top number one or anything. Um and, and Tom Brady brought them back in that game. I mean, they were down 27-3. to Matthew Stafford is smoking them. That defense is pummeling them to the ground. Aaron Donald had one of his best games um, that I've seen him play in the playoffs. He's been, he was absolutely fantastic. He was fantastic last game for the Rams, too. And Tom Brady brought them back, and I thought they were going to win that game. I thought they had it. I called it when um, – I'm trying to remember what happened in that game. I guess – Oh, Cooper Cup fumbled the ball. That's exactly what it was. And then – um, the running back was it Acres? Cam Acres also fumbled the ball. It was a Cam Acres fumble. So Cam Acres fumbled inside the twenty. Inside the twenty. Yeah, coming back was, up, and then Brady and Brady marched down and scored. And there was another thing where um the ball was snapped over Stafford's head, and they ended up getting the ball back at like yep. the fifteen. Oh, the Rams tried to lose that game as hard as they could, but they did. They honestly did. I mean, they played awful. I mean, Cam Acres also really really good player. I mean. He's a great running back, but, I mean, how many times did he lose the ball in that game? Three times? Four times? That's that's not good. That is not what you want from your running back. Honestly, I don't know what happened to Daryl Henderson. I don't know if he's hurt or if he's just not playing because Cam Akers is back. But I'm feeding the ball to Sony Michelle. I'm feeding the ball to Daryl Henderson from now on. Cam Akers is my third guy. I'm not giving him the ball in pressure situations if he's going to keep doing that crap. Yeah, that was a, a very bad game for Cam Akers. I think it was the first fumble that he had whenever you're like, uh-oh, this might be a Brady game because they had an opportunity to go up. It was like right before the half. It was before halftime, yep. I remember texting and, and, in our group message, and I said, yeah. I said, yep, here we go. Here we go. And, and Brady ended up getting out of that, and they, they, they didn't get anything. But that, could, that was seven points because he fumbled on like the one or two. Like it was, it was bad. It was really, really, really bad fumble. But – Kudos that that last so Brady goes down and scores the touchdown. I want to say there was like thirty seconds left. There wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of time on the clock, and that throw that Stafford made to Cooper Cup that got them into field goal range, and he's hustling everybody to the line to get the snap and spike it. That was one of the best throws. That that was a it was a perfect throw. It was a dime. One of the best throws that that I, I had seen in the playoffs to that point. Cooper Cup has not gotten enough recognition. I feel like even though he he was the triple crown winner for receivers in the in all of football this year, he had a, an amazing year. He showed out for that team this year. He stayed healthy, phenomenal year. Matt Stafford proved exactly why he's been considered one of the greatest quarterbacks uh, in in the NFL in recent years. One of the, he's been a top ten quarterback every year, and everyone's like, oh yeah, I mean. He did a great job with what he had in Detroit and then to, to play in that game the way he did. And to play really both games so far, he hasn't had that Matt Stafford moment where it was like, all right, we're, we're, we're just going to keep slinging it and we're going to throw a bunch of picks. Uh, I think Stafford's handled it really well. I'm happy for him, man. Like I, I feel like he had one of those careers that everyone kind of assumed that he was a Hall of Famer. But the way that he's played in this playoff situation is is kind of solidified it for me. I'll say he this. He will definitely be a Hall of Famer. I'm in full belief the sole reason Brady did not complete the comeback in that game is because the Rams had 27 and not 28. If they had 28, the universe would have 
intertwined with the game, and Brady would have made the comeback. That that one point saved them, I guarantee you. Well, I'll give you the actual reason why they lost that game. It's another failure of people to do their job on defense. So that play that you mentioned, Matt, where Matt Stafford threw that that huge bomb to Cooper Cup. So Matt Stafford in the in the post game press conference said that that play is a is a one in a million play. It's it's a play that you you probably aren't going to get the ball because when the defense blitzes like that, you don't have enough time to actually make an accurate throw. So on the defense, Todd Bowles, I don't know why he decides to call a zero all out blitz with with however many seconds was left in the game. I don't know why he decided to do that. But he calls that play, and the linebackers failed to actually signal in, signal in the blitz to everybody else. So there were two people on the defense that didn't blitz. So that's two extra people that didn't get pressure on Matt Stafford, which allowed him enough time to make an accurate throw to a wide-open Cooper Cup. So it just goes to show that football is a, is a game of communication and doing your job because who knows what happens if those two other guys blitz. Maybe we're talking about Tom Brady being in, once again, another championship uh, uh conference championship game i feel like when you call plays like that too if you're gonna call that all-out blitz you gotta have at least one guy in the backfield just in case they throw a bomb like that or why not just just do what everybody else does and just call a prevent defense what like what why, why are you bringing why are you bringing all every single person why are you bringing everybody in the kitchen sink you know like just, just play a prevent defense play play the sidelines make sure they don't get out of bounds make sure they they stop it inbounds that way you can run the clock I just think it was a bad call to, to bring an all-out blitz. Yeah, I, I do think, though, that there's so many times that prevent de- defenses prevent teams from actually winning the game, and that's where Buffalo went wrong in, in that game against Kansas City. Like, I, I understand Todd Bowles' was, mindset is like, hey, if, if maybe that we've gotten – we forced some turnovers here late. Maybe we can force them into another mistake. They're going to try and press. If we blitz, maybe we can, maybe we can force something here. Matt Stafford just, I mean, heck of a throw. I, I, it, was a, it was a great game. And honestly, at that point, I was like, I feel like at, at, when that game was over, I was like, I feel like this Buffalo-Kansas City game has been so hyped up because Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, rematch of last year's AFC Championship, Buffalo got blown out. Buffalo beat Kansas City earlier in the year. I was like, this game is going to be way overhyped. And the game that was at the – the three o'clock Sunday spot is going to be the best one. And then I was, I couldn't believe that it was the second best game of the weekend. Before we move on to, we got to talk about the last game, which was actually the first game of the weekend. Bengals Titans played in Nashville. I had a bunch of friends out there who went to the game. Uh, Obviously they were super disappointed when Ryan Tannehill pretty much lost on that game. I thought that was the worst game he's played as a Titan. I can't believe uh, I can't believe the situation they're in right now. They pay him so much money. They just extended him two years ago after they went to the AFC Championship and lost to the Chiefs uh, his first year after he took over for Mariota. And they're in some they're in some deep trouble. I've heard some rumors that Aaron Rodgers is leaning towards going to Tennessee and that he would like to be in Tennessee and play for the Titans because he knows there's a team around him there that he can work with and they can win a Super Bowl with, but they can't afford to pay him the money because they have uh, Ryan Tannehill. On the on the paybooks, I mean that's that's tough. I mean, if 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 I'm a Titans fan, which I'm not, I sometimes will say I am because Falcons are terrible, and I lived in Nashville for two years. But I'm not a Titans fan, thank the Lord, because they're in a tough situation right now. The Titans should have won that game. Uh, uh, there there's no other way to, to to sugarcoat that. Joe Burrow was on his back all day. 
But they still ended up finding a way to win that game because, one, when you have Derrick Henry in the backfield and you know that Ryan Tannehill isn't good enough to beat you with his arm, which was proved right because he threw how many interceptions in that game? Like three interceptions in that game? Yeah, I think he threw three. He threw three interceptions and then... You know, you're going to be like, oh, Ryan Tannehill is not going to beat me throwing the ball, so I'm just going to load the box and make sure Derrick Henry doesn't get, you know, 10 yards per carry. That, that That's all That's all the Bengals did. And all they had to do, the offensive line for the Bengals, was just make sure Joe Burrow had just enough time to get the ball to the playmakers, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, and, and other guys, uh, T. Higgins. But the, the, the Titans, I think, really need to figure something out with Ryan Tannehill because he kind of reminds me of Baker Mayfield. He's just good enough to get you to the playoffs, but there are some things that he does that just makes you scratch your head and wonder why this guy is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Like the Titans could really use a better quarterback because they have a they have a solid team. They have a good core, good offensive line, great running back, solid receivers, really solid defense. They just need that quarterback to get them over the hump. Believe it or not, like I have been a I'm not a Tannehill fan at all. The Titans, they're in the Jags division, and they're really the Jags' biggest rival in that division. I really don't – I've never been a Titans fan. So it was it made me really happy to see them struggle. But Tannehill, not only did he throw three picks, he threw a pick on his first pass of the game. A horrible. So I think it was like the first play of the game. First play of the game. It was awful. First play of the game, first play of the second half, and then the last play, offensive play for the Titans. Those were the three picks that he threw. Like the worst times you could do it. But I honestly think that's just who Ryan Tannehill is. Like, I, I, he's been good. But if you look at him when he's been good, it's when he's had a run game. Derrick Henry, I think, touched the ball 20 times for 63 yards. And I was like, why is Rabel continuing to use Derrick Henry when they obviously know, like, this is his first game back since he just came off of a, a foot surgery. Like, he's, he's clearly not at his best. I'm sure that he was good enough to play. But the, the Deontay or Devontae Foreman, he's had an awesome, awesome season in in place of Derrick Henry. I mean, he's not Derrick Henry, but I feel like he should have got some more touches, get him some more involvement in the offense, and and take some of the pressure off Tannehill. Because when you tell Tannehill, like even when they went to the the AFC Championship a few years ago, that team reminded me a lot of the year that the Jags went, where Blake Bortles was in and hand the ball off to Leonard Fournette. And don't do anything to screw this up. And, like, Tannehill's had some good games. Like, this year, in my opinion, this season has been his best season as a, as a pro quarterback overall. But he couldn't do it. Like, it was very clear that he just didn't have it. I, I don't think that he really is the guy that can do that. And Joe Burrow, in his second season and really his first full season because he got hurt like six or seven games in last year, it, he is showing that the league's in good hands for quarterbacks. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, the the the, the future at quarterback is, is bright in the NFL. Let me just say, when Joe Burrow got drafted by the Bengals, I knew a solid amount of people who said that they were making a mistake, not because Joe Burrow's not good, but because Chase Young was such a highly – touted prospect coming out he was probably the best player in college football that year outside of Joe Burrow at least in my opinion and um and I think a lot of people were saying if you got a guy like that that's a generational guy you can find a quarterback that's going to be good every single year at least one or two usually edge rushers like that to be in a position to get someone like that 
that's that's once in a lifetime. And I understand that thinking, but you take a guy like Joe Burrow when you have a you have a situation like that because of what just happened this season. That dude, he's pretty much a rookie. I mean, he's not. He's technically a second-year player, but he was out almost all of last season because he tore his ACL, what, like week, you know, five or six, something like that. So he, this is his first full year, and their team is completely different than they've been the past five years. I mean, this is a completely different franchise. They've completely flipped the narrative that was under the Cincinnati Bengals for as, as long as I've even watched football. I mean, I've never seen the Bengals be good at football. I've never seen them have a bright future. Andy Dalton was the best quarterback I ever saw play for them up until they just drafted down. They have uh, Burrow there. And, I mean, dude, he played awesome. I mean, he was unbelievable. He carried the team. I mean, they have some really good receivers too. But, man, without Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals are not in the position they are right now. I'll raise my hand and admit I was one of those people. And it was it was, it was was a combination of I thought that Chase Young would be a, a generational edge rusher. But I also was like, I mean, Joe Burrow's good, but is he going to be a franchise changer? He is. I mean, he is. For everything that I thought that he might be like, I thought he was going to be good. I didn't see him being this good this quickly. I thought he was going to be a really good quarterback eventually, but he was going to be kind of raw, and it was going to depend on the situation. And I didn't think Cincinnati was a situation that would be good for him. And then they drafted Jamar Chase this year in the first round, and I was like, what are they doing? Like, they, he doesn't need receivers. He needs he needs offensive line. Boy, was I wrong about that one too because Jamar Chase has been out of this world good for him. Uh, I mean, he was he was close to breaking Randy Moss's rookie record and, I mean, look, Jamar Chase, as far as just complete game-changer ability, he's got that. Joe Burrow, from the perspective, I mean, he's got the confidence. He's got the attitude of a of a seasoned quarterback. I, I love it. And I've got to give him and Jamar Chase all the credit in the world for doing what they've done. They have been – beyond exceeded of my expectations for what they would do this year with the Cincinnati Bengals. And just for the Bengals to make it this far is exceeded my expectations by a lot. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into our pour one out, cut them off segment. This segment is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Dr. Squatch is changing the way men approach hygiene by providing all natural, high quality, healthy products such as bar soaps, hair care, colognes, beard oils, and more. Dr. Squatch makes you feel like a man and smell like a champion. All their products are made right here in the U.S. using the finest all-natural ingredients and not cheaply made or harmfully mass-produced. You can save 20% off your first purchase with code DSQATKEG. That's DSQATKEG. All right, let's get into the segment, boys. So I'm pouring one out for Josh Allen. Uh, He played as perfect of a game as you can play in the NFL and didn't win and it's nothing to do with him it had like the the future in buffalo is still bright uh you know i think the window might be closing on him a little bit like they, they it's not they don't have much longer to to get the job done kansas city ain't going anywhere uh the Bengals are are up and coming so it's it's a tough road ahead and you know this year to me was that year of the bills i mean if they beat kansas city they're favored against Cincinnati this weekend, and then they're probably favored against either San Fran or L.A. So uh, I I hate it for Josh Allen, but I got to pour one out for him because, I mean, 
He had, I think, 13 incompletions the entire two games that he played in the postseason and seven touchdowns, total touchdowns, uh, five passing, two rushing. Phenomenal postseason for Josh Allen. Uh, he proved that he can be – he is everything that Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, he's got the arm strength, the mobility. He is. He can, he can be that guy. And him and Mahomes, I feel like, are going to meet up a lot. I know a lot of people have said it. That's the new Brady Manning, and, and I truly believe it. They are a special, special group of, uh, group of quarterbacks that we have now, and Josh Allen is, is certainly 1A or 1B in that group. So pouring one out for Josh Allen. Then I'm cutting off NFL playoffs. We already talked about that. Uh, I, they're NFL overtime rules, let me rephrase. Uh, I don't love the way that they do things. I've kind of already said my piece on that, so – I'm not going to beat that dead horse again. Wait. So I'm pouring one out for Evan McPherson. He is the kicker for the Cincinnati Bengals. The reason I'm pouring one out for him is before he went out and made the game-winning kick in the game against the Titans, uh, apparently Joe Burrow overheard him talking to Brandon Allen, who is the backup quarterback for the Bengals, and he said, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship. And then he ran out there and then put that kick right in between the uprights. That was unbelievable. I loved hearing that afterwards. I like guys that go out like that, especially kickers that are that confident. Because right now in the NFL, kickers kind of suck. I mean, we've had a lot of really bad missed field goals. With moving the point after back, too, a couple yards, it's it's really uh, killed the cred that's been going to kickers these past couple years, too. Um, so, Evan McPherson, good on you, man. I know you played at Florida, but I'm going to pour one out for you. Uh, and I'm cutting off people bashing Joe Burrow for saying that SEC stadiums are louder than any NFL stadium that he's played in so far. A lot of people are bashing him, saying Arrowhead Stadium, when he plays the Chiefs this weekend, is going to be way louder than any place he's ever played before. The dude played at Death Valley, LSU. I mean, obviously those guys are cheering for him, but that's still a tough place to play. I mean, he's played in some really tough environments. Uh, To me, I think that SEC stadiums, at least the bigger ones, and not just the SEC, but just college football in general. Oklahoma, he played at Texas. Um, obviously he played in, uh, some of the bigger games in college football. He won the championship his last year there. So he's played in some big games. I think college fans are louder and more wild than NFL fans. So I agree with Joe Burrow. People that are, uh, bashing him saying that he's wrong, saying NFL fans are louder, more wild. I'm cutting you off. Keys, you pour one out for All right. So I'm pouring one out for Matthew Stafford. I know Witt and I, especially ever since he was drafted, uh, out of Georgia, I've kind of kept an eye on him. He's been my fantasy guy a couple of times here. Uh, it was good to see him win a playoff game for once in his career. Uh, he's always been on the Lions. It's been a struggle. Um, even when he had Calvin Johnson, you know, it was kind of just them two versus the world. So uh, good to see him finally get a win. And I'm riding the Stafford train on into the playoffs. And I've got two cut him offs. Uh, one is the Rams restricting their ticket sales to residents of L.A., They were not too happy with the amount of opposing fans that were at their last game. So they put a ban on like Ticketmaster and they're also their box office. Uh, You could not purchase tickets unless you had an LA address uh, or your credit card was based in LA or something like that. But it kind of didn't work. Of course, the secondary market still wins. So it's kind of funny that they were just trying to put a a restriction on that and kind of get some of their home fans in there and it still didn't work. Uh, And then also I'm cutting off probably the worst duo in sports, Jackson Mahomes and Brittany Matthews. I don't know how Patrick Mahomes deals with it. 
And do you guys think that there is a, like a more hated spouse or like brother in sports right now or ever? No, but you know, for Patrick Mahomes, it's a good thing because those two getting all the hate they get takes a lot of heat off him because it's like, well, you know, Patrick Mahomes is some annoying. He's got to deal with those two every single day. Yeah, you got so, Jackson doing TikTok I mean, dances. Yeah. He's got Britney spraying champagne all over the yes. place. Yeah. It's, it's a mess. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. I really don't like Pat Mahomes that much. I don't know why. I, I think it's because of Jackson, but I just do not like it. Is him. it because he talks like Kermit the Frog? And that It could be because of that. It could be – I don't know what it is. Like – I just I don't I don't know what it is, but I've never like I I I recognize that he is a phenomenal quarterback. I just I don't I don't really care for him. Like I don't find myself pulling for him to win ever. I'm I'm indifferent to Pat, uh, Patrick Mahomes. I really don't you know I don't really root for him. I don't really cheer against him. He's just I recognize his talent. I'm just not a huge fan. Great football player. That's exactly how I feel. And the only coach that could ever not win with Patrick Mahomes is Cliff Kingsbury. Obviously. Well, speaking of Patrick Mahomes, we got a couple games to pick this weekend. Two, to be precise. Uh, starting with the AFC Championship, we have Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, the Chiefs are a seven-point favorite. Matt, who are you picking this game? I'm riding with who I have said was going to win the Super Bowl. I think it's the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs win this game. But I think the Bengals keep it close. These two teams played each other, I think it was Week 17. Uh, and it was a it was one of those shootouts. Ultimately, I think it was like forty four forty one was the final. Uh, the the Bengals won it on a late field goal. Look, I I don't know I I don't know if I could say it enough. It's hard to beat a really good team twice, especially when they have an offense that's as high powered as Kansas City. I mean, you've got so many weapons that you have to take account for. Tyreek Hill is a freak with how fast he is. And the offensive line for, for Cincinnati has some real concerns, uh, especially after that game in Tennessee. They, they had Tennessee's defensive front had their way uh, with, with that Cincio line, and I just don't see a way that uh, you're, you're not going to see a lot of blitzes from that, that Kansas City defense after that performance by the O-line. So I'm going Chiefs. Uh, I think the Bengals cover. I think they win. I think the Chiefs win by, like, Six. Yeah, I got the Chiefs, Matt. You mentioned the offensive line. Um, the Bengals can only go so far as that offensive line will allow them. Uh, I, I'm still shocked that the Titans didn't, didn't win the game this last week because that offensive line was just letting everyone through. So uh, I don't think they'll really have to worry about that a whole lot with the Chiefs because the Chiefs defense really isn't that great. I think it'll be just enough, though, for the uh, Chiefs to get the win. I got the Chiefs by 14. Lando, I'm with you, man. I think the fact that the Bengals' offensive line really struggled against the Titans, and the Titans have a really good defense, but I think the Kansas City Chiefs as a whole have a better defensive line than the Titans do. The Titans just have Jeffrey Simmons, and Jeffrey Simmons had a complete field day against the offensive line. I think one thing we need to remember when we watch this game is the Bengals have not been here before. I mean, the fact that they've won the playoff games they have in the fashion they have in these really, really close games – I think it's it's kind of an anomaly. Like, I mean, I think they had the talent to be blowing teams like the Titans, teams like the Raiders out, um, especially with a quarterback like Joe Burrow. Obviously, they had the better quarterback in both of those games. 
This game, they don't have the better quarterback. Patrick Mahomes right now is a better quarterback than Joe Burrow. Do I think Joe Burrow has the opportunity to be better than Patrick Mahomes by the time he retires? Yes, absolutely. Joe Burrow's a stud. Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the league right now. The Chiefs are here every single season. They've been to the last two Super Bowls. Patrick Mahomes is hungry to push his name further up the ladder to that GOAT status, try and get up right behind Tom Brady. I think the Chiefs win this game, and I don't think it's close at all. I think it's a four-touchdown game end of the game. I think it's a 28-point game. I think it's close in the first half. I think we get a really, really good high-scoring first half. Um, and I think in the second half, Chiefs start to take over. I think the depth on the Chiefs side of the ball, um, especially on offense, is going to take over. Um, so I got Chiefs. I think they're going to win like 42 to 20. I don't know. I said 28 points. Let's say 42 to 20, something like that. But we'll move on to the NFC Championship. We have the San Francisco 49ers traveling all the way down to Los Angeles, California. Uh, right down the road. Not really. Kind of far still. But to the Los Angeles Rams Stadium, SoFi Stadium. Um, and the Rams are a three-and-a-half point favorite. So, Matt, who you got? Man, I don't know. Uh, this one, this, I've been back and forth because for whatever reason, the 49ers are just kind of owned the Rams. I, I don't I don't get it, but they, they just have. They just play better. And I feel like that's got to be in the back of Sean McVay's mind this week in practice and in the mind of all those players. Uh, they, they, they play really tight, tough games against each other. This is the third time they're seeing each other this year. The Rams are really, really good on the, on the defensive side of the ball at, at all three levels. When you've got guys like Aaron Donald, who can line up over center, who can also line up on the edge, like we saw a little bit this last weekend when they played against Tampa Bay. Uh, they moved Donald out to be a defensive end. So, I mean, he's just a freak of an athlete. Couple that with Von Miller, who can rush the quarterback, play in coverage. He's starting to get into old Von Miller form, like from his Denver days. And then you have Jalen Ramsey, who is still one of the top three, four cornerbacks in the league. I mean, he is a... He is an unbelievable player. He can do it all. Uh, he's a heck of an athlete. I just don't see a way that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to beat him, but at the same time, I feel like it might happen. And that's what I'm going to pick. I think I think the 49ers are going to somehow come out of this thing and, and win it. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a really good, hard-fought game. And I, I don't think it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo that wins it for them, but I don't think he's going to make any mistakes, kind of like this past weekend, where he, he just didn't make any bonehead plays and cost them the game and so i've got i've got san fran kc rematch of super bowl from 2019 let's see what happens matt i hate to agree with you but i'm gonna have to i want to pick the rams the rams are a better football team and they're playing at home but for some reason the 49ers just don't find a way to uh, uh to lose games and for some reason jimmy garoppolo does just enough to win football games and he he just doesn't make mistakes so i'm gonna go with the 49ers uh, 49ers of Kansas City rematch in the Super Bowl. Uh, that's what I have. Look, when I'm looking at this game, what position do the 49ers have better than the Rams? I don't think there's a single one besides maybe defensive line. And even there, you got Aaron Donald on your defensive, defensive line if you're the Rams. So it's not like there's any deficiencies on the Rams side. The Rams have the better quarterback. I think the Rams have a better running back room, even though, obviously, the 49ers have a better run game. Maybe offensive line, you could say, for the Niners, too. They have a really solid offensive line. 
Uh, I don't like Jimmy Garoppolo matching up against the secondary for the Rams. I think they've played really solid. Jalen Ramsey's an absolute nightmare for uh, opposing quarterbacks. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a lot of issues with him. Um, I don't see any part of the San Francisco 49ers secondary that I think Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and OBJ are going to have trouble with. I think if the Rams lose this game, it's going to come down to exactly what hurt them in the second half of the game against the Bucs, and that's going to be turnovers. If they can hold on to the ball, if Stafford can keep doing what he's been doing and not throw these boneheaded interceptions like he did in the games they lost this season, especially the game against the 49ers at the end of the year, um, I think they win the game. I got Rams. I think it's going to be really close. Um, as Matt was saying, Sean McVay has a losing record against Kyle Shanahan. He's actually 3-7 and seven against Kyle Shanahan coach teams. So that's tough. That's a tough hurdle to get around. Uh, obviously, Kyle Shanahan has the magic formula to beat Sean McVay, uh, which is why I think it's going to be close. But I think the Rams come away with the win, and I think they go to the Super Bowl. Nice. Hey, did you guys see Brooks Kepka's new hair? No. No. Ew, what in the world is that? He's he's like platinum blonde it now. Looks like he's got like wow. unbreaded mozzarella sticks melted on his head. Is, <laughs> is, is, he, is he like uh, trying to... I don't know. Is this like some weird DeShambo type so, thing? So uh, I, I was wondering why he, because on Twitter uh, earlier today, he posted like like a picture of him when he was like in middle school and he had like blonde hair. So I was wondering why why the hell he posted that. Now I'm seeing why because he has blonde hair again. Strange. I'm re- I'm ready for PGA to pick it up again. I I, I miss my Sunday afternoon after like the race is winding down or over and there's. Still a couple holes of golf left on to flip on on CBS. I, I, I'm ready for those Sundays I'm, again. I'm ready for the Masters. I mean, we just started getting, I think, Matt, you actually poured one out for it last week, didn't you? The Masters commercials being back on, or at least we, we talked yes. about it. Um, yeah, I mean, this weekend watching the football games, we saw a couple of Masters commercials. Uh, I'm so excited for that. I'm ready for it. Um, I've looked into a couple odds for some guys playing right now. There's some really good bets going on right now. Um, you could get well, you can make $9 off of $1 if you bet on a guy like Justin Thomas. You can make a little bit more than that if you bet on Brooks Kepka. Um, there's a lot of other really good bets going on. I have not thrown anything down. I'm not ready to bet anything. Um, I'm kind of getting away from the sports betting now that football season's over because I lost a lot of money last year betting on stuff besides football. So I might not partake, but I thought I'd mention that to the, to the listeners. Uh, if you guys are in a state where it's legal, you should uh, – You should look into it. Well, that is it for today's show. If you've been enjoying our episodes this season, please drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. And if you would like to help support future episodes, please click the support link in the description of this episode, or you can check out our merch store at aroundthekeg.com for some cool ATK gear. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at aroundthekeg and on Twitter at aroundthekegpod. Send us any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all.